living with thyroid disease comes with a lot of ups and downs. Sure, we learn a lot about how to eat well and live well and feel well, but sometimes it can kind of feel like a game of whack-a-mole to juggle all the pieces of a thyroid-friendly lifestyle. So how can we make peace with our thyroid and find a life that we love and habits that work for us for the long term? That's what we're going to be discussing today with my very special guest, Annabelle Bateman, on today's episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites. Hello, thyroid drivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. Welcome, Annabelle. I'm so happy to have you here on Thyroid Healthy Bites today. Uh, thank you, Ginny. Um, thank you for having me. I know we've chatted on Instagram and on you know, my podcast. I'm so looking forward to talking with you today. I know we share lots of common interests and passions, so looking forward to it. Yes, I've been looking forward to this because Annabelle and I are both foodies and we could talk for hours about food and thyroid healthy cooking and just, you know, living and thriving with Hashimoto's. Um, so we kind of go, we don't go way back. We go a little bit back. We go back. <laughs> I feel like, like we're instant friends we anyway. Were, <laughs> yes, yes. And we've done some, some awesome, uh, we had a really fun holiday Instagram live where we talked about different holiday recipes and just navigating the holidays with like, uh, dietary restrictions and things like that. So, uh, we always have a great time when we connect and I'm so excited to get into this discussion about how do we do this? How do we make peace with our lives and our thyroid condition, um, so that we can thrive and feel happy and, and, and healthy at the same time. But for anyone who doesn't yet know Annabelle, um, I do want to tell everybody a little bit about you before we dive in. So Annabelle Bateman is a Hashimoto's patient and passionate thyroid health advocate, drawing on skills learned in previous careers as a lawyer, life coach, family law mediator, and author. She seeks to empower, educate, and encourage women with thyroid conditions to develop their own thyroid-friendly lifestyle so they can thrive and not just survive. She hosts the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast and is the author of the newly released book, Kiss and Make Up with Your Thyroid, Your Positive and Practical Guide to Living a Thyroid-Friendly Lifestyle. So Annabelle, congratulations on your new book. That's super exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it feels amazing to see it in print. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, it feels very satisfying and exciting because I just know it's going to help a lot of people. So I have that pretty firm belief. So it feels really great to have it out there and now being able to talk about it. Well, you've also got, you know, some cookbooks out there. This isn't your first rodeo with books, but I, it is still a huge accomplishment. So congratulations. And um, I can't wait to hear more about it because I think it's really going to inform our conversation today about this. I mean, this is really the theme of your book and um, I can't wait to dive into that, but I'd love it if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about you, about your background, uh, about how you became a thyroid health advocate before we dive in. 
Absolutely. So uh, if you can't tell with the accent, I live in Australia. I'm Australian. I uh, live in Brisbane, which is in Queensland. So it's pretty sunny here most of the time. We're called the Sunshine State. Uh, I actually grew up in Sydney. And so Sydney, is, yeah, look, Australia is a beautiful place. So I feel lucky to be born here and live here. Um, I'm married. I've got three teenage boys that are 18, 16 yesterday, my 16-year-old turned yesterday, and 14. So we eat a lot of food in our house. <laughs> my food bill is enormous, uh, but they're all good kids. And um, so that's sort of my fam, you know, my family. Grew up in Sydney, went to uni there, ended up, I actually met my husband online before kind of online dating and was kind of known or cool <laughs> about 20 something years ago. And so I, that's when I moved to, you know, moved to Brisbane was to be with him in 2001, 2001. And so I've lived up in, in Brisbane ever since then. Uh, I, I was a lawyer way back then. I decided somewhere around not long after I moved here that I sort of wanted to help people in a really constructive way. So I moved into life coaching, I know, which is pretty different to family law <laughs> where people's lives are, you know, really struggling. Uh, but I really wanted to help people be able to move forward. And so went into life coaching before anyone really had heard about what life coaching was, you know, way back in 2002. Had my kids, did some life coaching on the side. Kind of then went into mediate family law mediation because it was a little bit in between the sort of the fam the working as a lawyer and then the coaching the mediation was again about helping people move forward you know productively in their lives and I think well I wasn't technically diagnosed with Hashimoto's at 22 I was diagnosed with primary hypothyroidism uh, that was back in 1996 um, so I guess I've lived I feel like I've lived my whole life with Hashimoto's oh yeah. <laughs> your whole uh, and so, life anyway yeah yeah absolutely and I think if I look back it was probably triggered around puberty so I feel like I've lived with it yeah hmm. not knowingly for that sort of 10 years but definitely since my early 20s so that sort of sat behind a lot of these things and even if I look back it wasn't a primary driver to leaving law but I, I think it was probably a really good healthy decision because you know that was a very stressful highly driven you know, environment and I oh, yeah. knowing my personality too, like, you know, I don't think that would have in the long term been good for my health. So I think it was good to be able to move out of mm -hmm. out of that, although that wasn't a conscious decision. But sort of somewhere in amongst all of that, I as you said, we're both foodies, we love to cook. I started um, a food blog called What Annabelle Cooks about I've lost track of time eight, nine years ago, which was really just like meant to be a fun way of recording my recipes. But it kind of grew a little bit. And then out of that came a cookbook. And really what I cook is all about what I eat, which is underpinned by my health and making those some of those dietary changes for my thyroid health. And so it's for me, this sort of thyroid friendly lifestyle all started with food. Like that was probably where I first started making some changes um, but it, it became much more of that over time. And so I think that sort of, that's always sat underneath what I've done. And so, yeah, I wrote the cookbook, started kind of understanding a bit more about thyroid health more broadly, writing about that, you know, and so it all sort of, all these twists and turns have ended up where I'm very passionate about thyroid health and thyroid advocacy, because as you and I know, 
so many people are walking around with undiagnosed thyroid conditions suffering. <laughs> and there are so many that are just taking their medication and still suffering because yeah. that's, as we know, that's not all we can do. So I think it's become this a bit of a, feels like a bit of a life mission to get that message out there, par partner with people like you, because I think we, this is one in eight women have a thyroid problem. So we've got to get, we need a lot of people to get the message out there that there's things we can do yeah. to thrive with a thyroid condition. Yeah, we very much have a shared mission and a shared passion. We're birds of a feather that way. And I think it's great too, you know, like you were talking about, you had to sort of realize like this is sort of the undercurrent of everything I do in my life and my work and my livelihood and all my passions. Because I know it can be easy when you've been on this thyroid healthy path for a while, like you almost forget you're on it. You almost forget how much it impacts every decision you make throughout the day about like, I need to rest right now. I need to not take this project on when I'm already stressed out. I need to remember to take my supplements or my medication. What am I going to eat for lunch? You know, there's all these things, how, how we exercise, it impacts every system of the, of the body and it impacts every aspect of our life. So that's why I'm really excited about um, your latest book, Kiss and Makeup with Your Thyroid, which is a positive and practical guide to living a thyroid-friendly lifestyle. So can you kind of tell us in your own words, like what inspired you specifically to write this book? Yeah, I, I think when I'd written the cookbook, it was all about the food. It wasn't specifically oriented towards thyroid health, although it was gluten, grain and dairy free. So again, that was sort of sitting behind it. And I think, but since then, which was, that was about seven years ago, I've become more and more aware of the other aspects of a lifestyle that impact our thyroid health, but like, you know, our mindset and how we manage stress and learn to unwind. And like you said before, set some boundaries, maybe not take on as many things and reducing our overall toxic load and the impact that chemicals and that regular chemical exposure has on us mm -hmm. together with all the food things. So I think I became aware, but in my own experience, as I kind of dealt with all those different aspects, uh, that it was more than about food. It was more than about just taking my medication, which I've done for, since I was diagnosed. It was sort of this holistic approach. And I don't know, I think I, you know, I started the podcast because I wanted to get that message out there. The book sort of as idea has been sitting with me for a couple of years, just to try to make it really as, I guess, as positive because I want people to feel hope and practical because I think sometimes we hear, oh, I've just got, you know, if you've got Hashimoto's, you should give up gluten and dairy. Well, how do you actually do that? Um, you know, it, yes, you, you need to get better at managing stress because stress causes inflammation. Well, how do you actually do that? So this is I'm trying to have that. The book's got a little bit of why, but I'm just a lay person. I'm not medically trained. I'm not a scientist. I've got that legal background, not a science background. So I'm leaving the science to the experts. So I've got a little bit in there about why these things are important. but. Uh, a lot about how to actually do it. Here are some ideas. What works for me might not work for you, but here are these things that most of us who are on this holistic journey will have to deal with in some variations. So it's trying to be that positive and practical voice to give that people can just do in bite-sized chunks and not 
like your thyroid healthy bites, it's bites, isn't it? It's like little bits, right? Little changes, one step at a time. Just keep it super simple. Yeah, I love that, and that's so important. You know, I think uh, there there's so much out there about like the why and the what of what we're supposed to do, but not as much about the how. And the reality is that making these changes, even if it's one small aspect of that, like um, incorporating some kind of self-care routine or just eliminating gluten for some people as a first step, that's a big deal. And let's just pause right here and remind the listeners that neither you or I did this overnight. Oh, no. <laughs> a long process, a series of, you know, small steps and trying to, you know, s- string together those small wins and eventually coming to this place where it's like, this is, it is so much ingrained in everything I do that I, it doesn't stress me out anymore. It's like just this thing that helps me feel energized and alive and healthy we forget how when we started with this stuff, it was so overwhelming and we had all those problems to solve. All those little things, all those little, you know, changes take some time to process and embrace and, and come up with solutions for. So. uh, Absolutely. Totally agree. And I I forget sometimes too, because it's become part of a lifestyle. And I think that's, we ultimately want to end up there, but it took me I was told originally probably in about 1997 or 1998 from this funny little old eccentric naturopath in a health food shop near where I worked to give up gluten, dairy, and sugar for all I remember. And I'm like, what? Like I did for a little bit. I switched my dairy for soy. I don't know. That was obviously not a great thyroid friendly decision, but um, so I've got to remember too, that whilst now I haven't touched gluten in close to 10 years and it's, I think, yeah, it took me five years to get to that point. <laughs> this is not, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a chef, I had to go through a whole process. Oh, my gosh. I, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm doing it. And then, you know, oh, I just fell off the wagon. And now I'm down the slippery slope. Now I got to start over. And the whole, you know, and you know mm-hmm. what? It takes the time it takes. And then I eventually got to a point where it was like, how many more times do I need to learn what this does to me? And let's, let's start honoring what our bodies need, you know, but Mm -hmm. let's talk about the four pillars of the book. I love these um, main sections that you've broken the book down into mindset, unwinding food and low tox living. So why don't we start with mindset? Why is mindset important in your words? Yeah, well, I put mindset first because often we deal with the food things first, don't we? <laughs> but but mindset impacts everything. Uh, so part, I suppose for me, mindset is our attitude to, towards our thyroid, our body, our health condition, and so much of the way we talk in the thyroid um, space can be what I've called kind of battle language, you know, I'm fighting thyroid disease or I'm a thyroid warrior or I'm, you know, that's sort of um, attacking. And I understand that I quite, there's elements of that that appeals to me like, yeah, I'm fighting this and I'm attacking and I'm winning. And, um, 
But I think when we look at it from a holistic, a holistic perspective and a lifelong perspective, we have to have probably a kinder attitude towards ourselves and our thyroid. And that's probably where the title of the book, which was actually my husband's idea, Kiss and Make Up With Your Thyroid, is, is that sort of friendly? Like we do need to make peace with, it sounds silly, like making peace with a part of your body, but to me, that's part. That's a large part of the mindset is, mm. okay, I have to accept this. It doesn't have to dominate my life, but I do have to manage it and it's sort of holding that intention. But I've got my whole life to do it. I don't have to do it all today. You don't have to tackle every one of these four pillars at once. But the mindset, if we can deal with that first and go, okay, this is going to be a long journey and it's going to be up and down and it's going to be, you know, twists and turns and backward steps and forward steps but that's okay. That's why I sort of wanted to put the mindset as the first pillar, because if you can kind of start to wrap your head around that, then everything else will flow and have, have those ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that's, yeah. does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think of mindset as like the gatekeeper to the healing journey. Like you can't mm. start until you've gotten past that gatekeeper. And there's all kinds of sneaky ways that I think our mindsets can sort of undermine us with our goals and stuff too, of just, yeah, we can get stuck on, uh, that lack of self-acceptance, you know, we're not at peace with our bodies. We feel like our bodies betrayed us. You know, there's a grieving process that I think we have to Mm -hmm. go through somewhat with that. Um, or even things like, you know, searching for the quick fix, the magical fix the, you know, going down those rabbit holes. I just, just tell me the one thing I need to do. So this is just over and fixed. And, I think when we can, you know, wrap our mindset around that, this is about giving my body the best care it deserves. And this is for the long haul. And this is ultimately going to benefit my health for the long term. That's when we can really start to make progress. And so, yes, I couldn't agree more that, you know, I love that you started with mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have written the, this is the only thyroid book you will need. <laughs> Here is your thyroid friendly protocol. Just follow what I say and you'll be amazed. You know, your health. I would love to have written that because that's what we want, isn't it? We want that magic pill. And I think somewhere in the book, I say, you know, there is no magic pill, but you've got to start somewhere. And so I'd like to think that the book would be one of those somewheres that you can start. Yeah. I try in the book to hold it all intention because I think that's what we do, isn't it? In our real lives is we try to hold number of these things in tension and it's not easy but we can do it and you know we we do it in a a really human way (laughs) sometimes we we win and we feel like we're thriving in this amazing and other times it, it isn't like that but there's always something we can do to try and you know pick ourselves up and encourage someone else and get out there absolutely All right. Let's talk about the second pillar unwinding. I love that word choice as an alternative to like self-care or stress management. You know, those sound so clinical or like something I just have to add to my daily schedule or, you know, this like other to do, but unwinding sounds so appealing and lovely, doesn't it? We all need to unwind. So I'm curious, what does unwinding look like for you? Mm. So some of it for me is about 
managing my my personality, like really working with my personality and, well, you know, what are the things that work for me, don't work for me, you know, um, I'm not a good balance sort of person. I am a bit more all or nothing, so make that work for me. So I talk a bit about that personality stuff. Um, but a lot of it too for me has been about setting boundaries. So when you say before about not taking on that project when you're really busy, um, that I feel quite strongly about that um, because we do, those of us with autoimmune issues, you know, do often have seemingly that tendency to be driven and push ourselves and we just push through. We just push through. We, we're tired, but we just do it anyway. And so it's more than just about self-care. This is our whole health care because if we don't learn to set some of those boundaries and do a bit less and therefore have the space to unwind, then I, I think that really is going to get in the way of our healing. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I had someone on my previous podcast that where we, that was like something that they specialized in that we talked about ah. um, high achievers having mm-hmm. a higher incidence of things like Hashimoto's and yeah. it's total sense. And I can totally, you know, relate mm. to that. Uh, we're just going to power through, you know, and there's so much of that that's cultural, I think. And just like the modern, like, wow, we are all moving like way too fast. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's a a definitely a big broad societal problem. (laughs) But I think when, when you've got, particularly if you've got Hashimoto's that is an autoimmune disease, we do need to, this is not just about trying to bring everything into balance or managing your stress. This is about our it's about your health for the long term. And I think the fact that we do tend to be, you know, driven, we've got a lot to offer the world. And so we want to, I know for me, I want to be able to be actively engaged for a very long time into my life. I don't want to burn myself out because mm-hmm. I mean, I have done that, push myself too much. And when I wrote the first book, I did burn myself out because I'm like, right, I've got to get this out by Christmas. I've got blah, 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 like work, 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 work. And I did burn my thyroid out. So this, when I wrote this one, I'm like, it doesn't matter. It can take a year, a year and a half. I'm only, I'm not going to work on it at night. I'm just going to work on it during the day. I'm not going to stress about it. And it was a very different experience. Mm-hmm. So some of those, I think, helps with the unwinding. I also like to do jigsaw puzzles. That for me, that's a nice practical. If, I, if I've got a lot going on, that's when I usually have a jigsaw puzzle out because for me, it's about like, I'm just trying to find the piece with a bit of blue, bit of red, bit of blue, bit of red. Like I, I have to switch off from other things. So that's a, pra- I feel like I'm doing something. <laughs> um, I, I'd, I'd rather do a jigsaw puzzle than listen to a meditation app. Although, of course, you can do that if you like. Um, so there's some, you know, there's some other unwinding things I, I like to do too. Oh, I love those examples because, you know, a lot of people are, it's like, you know, we know the benefits of meditation well-established, but yeah, just not for everyone. Some people are just, they're not interested. It's not their thing. It doesn't work for them. And I think puzzles are a great, I also like adult coloring books. I think that's yes. really meditative. Those mm-hmm. um, just sort of Zen activities that help you unwind. Yeah. So, so even things like um, 
knitting, you know, some of your craft. Like I've I've asked this question in my in my Facebook group, like what do you do to unwind? And the number of people that said, you know, I like to sew or knit or do something kind of crafty. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, that's true. I can see that how that would be, you know, relaxing. Yeah. 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 Mm. All right. Let's talk about our favorite topic. (laughs) Third of the four pillars, food. How do you approach food in the book? There's actually sort of three chapters on food. So one is a bit of the why, because I do think, I mean, there are people that have written far more detailed scientific books on the the why you know why make some food changes so I've just tried to summarize that but I do think like if that if you're completely new to thyroid health and you were only had you hadn't read some of the other fabulous books that were out there and you're starting with my book I, I just want to have a little bit of the why like what why is it important and like for me at core it's all about reducing inflammation yeah and so from a food, that goes to mindset, unwinding. (laughs) All four pillars are about that. Uh, But with the food, so yeah, it's about reducing and removing typically inflammatory foods so that we're reducing our systemic inflammation, our cellular inflammation, so that we give our bodies the best opportunity for, you know, our thyroid medication or whatever our thyroid's producing to be absorbed and used. Uh, So I want to give my body the best chance of, operating optimally so for me that's my approach to food I guess is is that so then I talk about I guess the key foods to be looking at or categories of foods and I probably settle on that the book really talks about a paleo style approach uh, because they tend on balance it seems to me that that's where most people end up is in a paleo-ish style of diet. Mm-hmm. I do talk about the autoimmune protocol a little bit because um, that can be a really helpful elimination detail. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Concentrated period of, of healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I probably focus a bit more on the core pillars of the paleo style. So, you know, no gluten, no dairy, no grains, sugars, legumes they're kind of alcohol well and there's a section on alcohol (laughs) not a section a little you know section because they tend to be the things that most of us will end up trying and you know maybe dairy works fine for you and not for me you know so this is where it's not going back to what I said before I'm not trying to be prescriptive so it's holding that intention so this is sort of you know, you probably want to look at these things. And then the third chapter in that food section is, is the, is the really practical. How do I actually do that? Here are some ideas like I've got in there. How do I, how do I personally approach the way I eat? What does it, what does my sort of breakfast, lunch and dinner more or less look like? I've got, as I said at the beginning, three teenage boys and a husband, none of which who have autoimmune diseases, so, and I, so I talk about how I kind of adapt cooking for a family with different, different needs. And it's not, I don't really cook separate meals. I do variations is the bottom line. So in that, I haven't got lots of recipes. I've got food ideas, a couple of recipes, but okay, here are some bases, like because breakfast often the hardest. So there's a few different ideas of what you can have for breakfast. Um, so it's more like, how do I actually approach this? What are some good swaps? So maybe you can swap, you know, your pasta for your zucchini needles or maybe an interim swap is 
pasta for gluten-free pasta. So I do talk a bit about that too. Like which do you take? I call it a turkey or a frog approach. Like the turkeys, I'm going cold turkey all in. I'm just going to cut it all out. I'm going to go, go hard, go fast. And that works for some people. Um, and but not everybody. So you might take more of the frog, you know, the frog in the pot approach. <laughs> you know, you, you just start with start small, start making little things, and eventually, you know, you'll have switched over. And neither is right or wrong. And you might have periods of time where you're more turkey or more frog. Um, so <laughs> um turkey or the frog approach is perfect. Yeah. So that's uh yeah, so that that's sort of how I've tried to deal with food because as we know that's a massive topic and one of my ideas was I would have all the I'd have lots of recipes in there I'm like okay I've got to pair it back (laughs) Um, there's a couple of things in there lots of food more food ideas because in the end I think and I that there are amazing people like you putting out fabulous recipes Um, and this is more about showing people an approach a way to get started how do you um how do you implement some of this into your lifestyle? Because in the end, that's what the ultimate, I guess my ultimate goal is to help people see this is about, this isn't about following a 30 day program or this is just follow all my recipes or all, you know, all yours. This is, we've got to just live our life like this. And so that's when you, when you're looking for a new recipe and let's go, check out what Ginny's got. Let's go check, you know, let, let's just go looking for those specific things. But just think about your meals. It's like, well, you've got your protein. You, you've got, I just think of my meal as what's my meat, what's my vegetables. That's sort of how I think it. it's pretty simple. Um, and within that, there's endless options. But And then I will often add in a carb for the teenage boys. So I might cook something that's got rice and I won't really have the rice. I'll have whatever they're having with salad or, you know, vegetables, but they might have the salad and the vegetables and the rice, but they're teenage boys that need that extra energy. Or I definitely am a big fan of, you know, sweet. I'm not saying I'm not a a no carb person, but I think of my meals like that. What's the protein? What's the, what's the vegetable? Not, I'm not, I don't think to make risotto or meals based around pasta or bread or you know they might be the add-ons for the kids yeah that is a big mindset shift around food I think of going from how am I going to replace all these old favorites like lasagna for example I always think of lasagna because that's all it is is gluten and dairy you know just layers upon like and it's delicious and I love it but how do you know like I think that mindset shift of going out of how am I going to still eat lasagna, you know, paleo lasagna to let's just simplify this and think about a clean source of protein, lots of organic veggies and some healthy fats. Yeah. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Now, of course, there are amazing paleo lasagna recipes and all that out there. They take quite a bit of time and, you know, not to like knock those at all. And I think there's absolutely a place for those and helping us um, even just like the gluten-free pizza crusts and stuff. Like we love pizza night at our house. I, I have my favorite cauliflower crust that I, and it's easy, you know, and the boys have their, there's like a local bakery that makes its own um, pizza dough and we mm. each make our own. 
and we still all get to have pizza and share in that together, you know, so there it's like solving those problems and finding what works for you. So you can have those old favorites, but yeah, when it comes right down to it, I, I couldn't agree more with that experience of getting to really, this is just all I need on my plate to feel like I'm having a, and, and to be having a meal that agrees with me, nourishes me, energizes me, doesn't make me bloated, brain foggy, tired, or any of the other stuff that we deal with. So, yeah. And that's the grieving process and the mindset. And this is where it has to be all of that, because you and I didn't get to, I didn't get to being happy having pizza night where we're all doing different things easily. And there've been times where I'm like, I hate Friday night pizza night because I can't eat anything and it's all just miserable and it's supposed to be family fun night and it's not fun for me because I can't have it. I've done that, been there. I wanted to be the sure. way it used to be. Yeah. I, there's, I don't feel that way anymore, but I, I don't either, but you go through, you've got to go through that. I think you've got to go through that. That's the grieving process. Mm-hmm. But you, but I suppose what you and I are saying is if that's where you're at, like if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I do hate that I'm missing out on that or I don't, or I'm not missing out because I won't miss out. I'm not, you know, so I'm going to eat it anyway. Like that, the, you know, I would say if that's where you're at, challenge yourself to, to maybe give those things up for at least for 30 days and then retry it again and see how you feel. Because often after we've had a break from eating those things and then you eat them again, you're like, oh, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't feel so good. <laughs> but you don't notice when you're having it all the time. So maybe challenge yourself to, to give that a go. Yeah. But if you are still in that feeling a bit resentful, I'm doing it, but I you know feel resentful about it. Um, we, well, we've been there too. So try to find ways that you um, can make it a bit more, more fun or more palatable. Or I went through stages where I was then happy for, like, let's use that Friday night pizza night as an example. I would just cook something different for myself because actually that was better than having an alternative pizza. And now every now and again, uh, uh, like we were up away with my parents-in-law on the weekend and I had gluten uh, we bought in pizza, which we would almost never do at home. And we bought one with gluten-free base. And you know what? I just enjoyed it. And afterwards, did I not? I didn't feel that great because I kind of forgot about the cheese on the top. But that was like, one, you know, I can think maybe once a year where I would. And that was a gluten-free basis. No, I, I would have the other. But I was like, actually, I'm just going to enjoy this. And so just enjoy it because that mental attitude towards it mm. plays a part too but I don't know just play with you look at it as an experiment but know that you you will go through those emotional ups and downs yeah absolutely all right low tox living is the fourth pillar of thyroid friendly living what are some practical ways the listeners can apply low tox living without getting overwhelmed I think this is one where people want to skip it or just not think about it because it's like, nope, I've already given up too much. I've already compromised enough. I don't want to even go there. How do you approach that in a way that, you know, just feels a little less overwhelming? Yeah. I think this is a really good one for doing over time. And so it doesn't have to be, that's, I, I think that is a good one for doing over a period of time and just switching things out. So maybe as your surface spray, you know, that you're spraying all over your counters full of chemicals and you're breathing them in. <laughs> Once that runs out, 
maybe look for one that's got more natural, you know, ingredients. And I often say, and I say this in the book, go to your local health food store because they will tend to be better ingredients or you can make your own, you know, it's not that difficult to make some of those household cleaning products with, you know, vinegar and water, you know, or add in a couple of essential oils. It's pretty, it sounds overwhelming, but if you just do them one thing at a time, um, so your skincare, like, you know, maybe stop shopping in the big department stores and again, go to your, you know, little health food store, look for natural, in, you know, natural ingredients. That's what I, what I would do, but you don't have to throw everything out all at once. If you don't want to just do it one thing at a time. It took us years to switch out all the plastics, plastic containers, you know, that we would store food. Mm-hmm. And we did go out, you know, we just went to Kmart and bought lots of different size glass containers and we did switch that out pretty much all at once but you could again do that over time mm-hmm. um, so I think Great example because yeah that's a perfect example of it's okay for these things to take the time that they take and it doesn't all have to happen overnight if we try to do them all overnight it can just get totally overwhelming but over time just gradually like changing out though you know your plastic food storage for glass or um, ceramic or something, you know, that you can more safely store food in. When I think when people like us present these ideals, it's like, this is the ideal. Like, remember that this is the ideal and it's okay if it takes a while to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think what, um, what I've tried to do in the book too is at the end of each chapter, there's a let's kiss and kisses, keep it super simple. Um, so it's a, there's a couple of questions. And like, so it, for example, at the end of the low tox living one, it, it says, which area of your life needs low toxing? So, and I've talked in there about yeah, skincare, hair care, um, cleaning products, you know, water, food storage. So which area needs it? Choose just one. <laughs> I love that. And then decide what you're going to do. Slowly switch over products in that area to toxic free versions. So just yeah. one, pick one, pick one. It might be that you're going to switch your foundation in with your makeup. That was probably one of the first things I did long, long time ago, as my doctor said, look, start to make some of those switches. And I just sort of looked for, yeah, and a company that use natural products. And I just switched my foundation. That was the first thing I switched. Oh yeah. Uh, that just feels so much more doable because even just to find a new foundation or a new mascara or lipstick that you like, that's like a whole undertaking. You want to yeah. know where I started? Yeah. Where? It was with my deodorant. Uh-huh. Hmm. Cause there's, you know, all the aluminum and mm-hmm. stuff in like a lot of store-bought deodorant and the whole antiperspirant thing, just like our bodies are supposed to perspire. And that's part of our body's natural detoxification system and that whole thing. And that took a while. It took a lot mm. of different brands, trying different brands. And yep. I had like some skin reactions to some of the natural blend mm. brands. I had to figure out what ingredients I couldn't use. It was a whole thing. Eventually I started making my own for, and I did that for quite a while. I think I have a recipe on hypothyroid chef for homemade deodorant mm. and it worked really well. Like you could go 
a day or two, even like I'd wear it camping, you know, and be like, Mm. wow, this stuff works. And then more um, companies started making like pretty much as a similar ingredients, like yeah, baking soda and um, shea butter and, you know, things like that. But I think that's just so uh, perfectly put, you know, just pick the one thing. And, and I think there are DIY, like you say, I've gone through stages of making things too. Uh, and I will make some things like I'll make my surface spray and, you know, some of my cleaning products because but I've found some companies now that I really like their products and um, if you don't want to DIY you don't have to anymore I remember years ago DIYing coconut yogurt by you know hacking apart the coconut and scraping out the the flesh and blending it all up and you know fermenting it and it didn't really taste very good, but I'm like, okay, I, I'm not having dairy. So now like I can just buy coconut yogurt. <laughs> so oh, I think, yeah. um, you know, and there's a, a lot busy of working mom and you've got three yeah. teenage boys. Like why I'm like yeah, pick your battles. Still you know? <laughs> making my own deodorant. I don't yeah. need to anymore. There's now a whole yeah. shelf of aluminum free, you know, That's right. low tox options to choose from. And I have two or three different brands that I really like. So great. I don't have to do that anymore. I think a lot of the DIY stuff comes when we're going, oh, I want to like say eat fermented foods. Well, now again, there's a whole section of fermented pickles and sauerkraut and all kinds of things at the store that we can choose from. But for a while there, we had to make our own, you know. Yeah, I'm um, very grateful for those companies because yes. I'm happy to make a lot of things, but there are certain things that I'm not interested in making but want to have good alternatives. So they're out there now. And I think, as you said, if you can just pick one thing or pick whatever runs out first, whichever way you want to look at it, and just go try try a couple of different brands. from. But yeah, and I think you might have in the States – maybe some, you know, we have different sort of shopping experiences, but uh, in terms of supermarkets and, you know, what we've got on offer, but do you have, would you say you have like a health food shop? When I say health food shop, does that make sense to your, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I know you've got whole foods and big plate, you know, big, like ours here are much smaller, tend to be smaller, but you can find them. (laughs) They're not like hiding, but they're not as big as some of your, your ones. And yeah, as you say, go through, look, learn to read ingredients, but just keep it simple and just pick one thing. Yeah. Well, it's been such a fun conversation, Annabelle. I really appreciate it. Are there any like parting thoughts you want to leave the listeners with today? Um, Look, I think just have hope. That's probably one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about in terms of talking about thyroid health is if you're at a place where you're not feeling like you're thriving, then have hope that you can feel better. Uh, there's always little tweaks that we can make. And, uh, yeah, and I think sometimes it's been helpful for me in my personal health journey to have people who have either gone before me or have had that faith for me that I could feel better. And so I would say if you're not really feeling it, you can borrow some of my faith that you can get better and you can feel better but it is going to take time and it does take effort so once you wrap your head around that then it's all just a matter of working out what works uniquely for you and it's worth it is probably what I would say it is worth it oh amen to that 
Awesome. Well, where can people find your new book, Kiss and Makeup with Your Thyroid? Well, they can find it if you are in Australia. Uh, you can buy it from directly from me on my website, which is Annabelle, A-N-N-A-B-E-L, uh, Bateman.com. Uh, and if you are anywhere else in the world where you can buy through Amazon uh, or in Australia, you can buy through Amazon as well, uh, then, yeah, it's available on Amazon. So you just go to Amazon and search for it. It's available as a paperback and as an ebook on Amazon. So it should be, it hopefully should be really easy. So if you buy it from there, um, I'd love to, yeah, send me a message. Let me know what you think or write me a review too would be fabulous. Um, But yeah, Amazon is the best spot for people to buy it. Awesome. And you've got a fun box available too. Is is your website the best place to go for people to check out the kiss and makeup with your thyroid box that you have available? Yeah, it definitely, it's only available through my website and I, and I, I'm navigating at the moment, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to send it to the States and outside of Australia. I think I've worked that I've got one test box on its way uh, to America at the moment, Uh, but it's a box I've put together really to offer people that hope and to feel good about their thyroid journey. There's a bit of a mix of some practical tools. So it's got a copy of the book, but it's got like a journal and some affirmations and a note, a folder where you can keep all of your, you know, your your blood tests and your scripts. And, you know, when you get all those notes uh, and you just want to have it all in one spot so you can keep it all in the box. And there's a few little lovely gifts and girly things in there to, um, just to make you feel good. So it's one of those things that would make a perfect Mother's Day gift or gift for, for, to yourself if you have, re- particularly I think if you're in a bit of a flat spot and you need that bit of a boost and you, I don't know, I love getting things in the mail and opening them up and like, oh, you know, it's all beautifully presented. And uh, well, I think it is. I've put a lot of effort into really curating it so that people feel kind of loved and they've got tools practical tools that they can actually use. So yeah, that's called my thyroid box. Well, I got to see what's inside before the show and it was just so sweet and thoughtfully put together. It's just such an awesome offering and I'm thrilled for you with your new book. It just sounds like uh, such an important and needed topic to address for this community. So thank you for all that you do for thyroid thrivers and for being on this shared mission with me. It's always so fun to connect with you, Annabelle, and I'll look forward to the next time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on and, you know, talking about all of these um, thyroid friendly, thyroid healthy aspects of the way we live our life. So thank you. Thanks, Ginny. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites. If you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. I'm Ginny Mahar wishing you the best of health, and I'll see you next time.